0: One of life's greatest questions is, what happens to us after we die? Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to first-hand accounts of people who have gone beyond the veil and return to talk about it. All right, we are here today with Aziza and she has a really interesting story. Something happened to her that I've not heard from anybody else before. So it's going to be fun getting into that in just a minute. But first, Aziza, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, I was born in 1989. Um, I am a mother of two children. Um, I was born and raised in, uh, well, was, I was raised in Minnesota. I was born in California. Then... A very social butterfly hanging out with uh, all my friends, snowboarding, and anything with friends. Let's see. And I have been on the board of nursing since 2008.
0: So you work in a hospital?
1: That was actually one of my first jobs. But the 12 hour shift was just a little too much for me, being more like the main parent at home,
0: too. So. So, what kind of work do you do now?
1: I actually work overnights so he can work days.
0: All right. Well, let's go back. Your experience happened to you when you were about 20 years old, which was, I don't know, 13 years ago or something. Not to date, you were put an age on you, but tell us, tell us what happened. I know you loved to snowboard. So, what happened on that particular day?
1: Yeah. uh... I was a big snowboarder. I would do the rails, half pipes. uh, I really wanted, how do I put this? I had a major crush on this man at work. And I was going to show off and take him snowboarding. That was uh, my plan. And he had never been. So he started off skiing. And I got him to, you know, go out with me that night. And my mother, she said, don't, don't go out. I have a bad feeling. Just stay home. Don't go out tonight. And I'm like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I am going to hang out with this man.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to show off.
1: Exactly. And I'm going to, he's going to be mine. (laughs) So, you know, we got there and I'm like, I am totally going to land this. I've done tricks, tricks. I have ADHD, so I think uh, the spur of the moment, you know, you can attribute to that. Not a very good idea. Uh, and it didn't, you know, <clears throat> I was on the ski lift. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to jump from the ski lift and I'm going to totally land this. It didn't look that far at the time. And I did. I, you know, I jumped off and I thought I was going to land it. And everything was... Oh, slow me. So slow motion. Um, And next thing you know, I am laying on the ground. And I can't move. I couldn't move anything. And I'm like, just get up. Just pull yourself together and get up. Why can't you move? And so I'm trying to move, you know, my wrists. I'm trying to get myself up. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I can't move. Something's wrong.
0: Let me make sure I understand here, if you don't mind. So this is not at the top of the lift where you get off. No. You just had a spur of a moment thought, I'm just gonna jump off the lift. Okay. How high, how high were you?
1: It was four stories.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're about 40 feet high. You just jump. And you just jump and didn't have the greatest landing.
1: Right. Um Gosh, yeah, not the smartest thing. And, um, you know, there's people above me on the ski lift going over me yelling, do you need help? Do you need help? And I'm like trying to scream, yes, I need help. I need help. Um, And I blacked out. And next thing I know, the emergency crew or the paramedics on the snowmobiles are... Saying it's gonna be okay, we're just gonna move you onto the back of the snowmobiles and we're gonna get you to the ambulance, we're gonna get you to the hospital, it'll be okay. And I'm like, I just need to get up. That's just just help me up. <laughs> and once they grabbed my wrist to cross over my body so they could transfer me to the back of the snowmobile, I screamed in agonizing pain and I knew something was terribly wrong. Um, and I heard one of them say her wrist is broken and I don't know if they, (laughs) if they didn't think I'd hear it, but I heard it and, um, they grabbed my other wrist to cross over my body and I scream again in agonizing pain. That wrist is broken. And I'm thinking, what have I done? (laughs) Um, anytime they moved me, I was screaming in pain. They get me on the back of the snowmobile, and I'm screaming in pain every single little bump. <laughs> it was just, uh...
0: Now, were you in one of those toboggans that they dragged behind the snowmobile? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've actually done that ride. Right. I know what that feels like. I wasn't hurt as bad as you, but I had a broken leg and they put you in, and then they put blankets over the top of you and kind of a plastic thing to keep you dry. You can't see out. Was that your experience?
1: No. Um, I do remember they had uh, about four buckles, and they buckled me into a type of toboggan. But um, I don't remember any blankets or uh, plastic. Okay. Okay. But it was the bumpiest, most painful ride of my
0: life. <laughs> you feel every little teeny bump. I will never forget that ride. I was 12 years old and, and broke my leg and it was so painful. Uh, very top of Alta Ski Resort. And it's a long ride down from there. So, okay, what happens next? It, uh, you've, I mean, you've woken up. It probably took them a while to get to you. Any idea how long?
1: I don't, I blacked out, um, I remember screaming in pain and I closed my eyes and I would try to just breathe, just breathe and stay calm with regulating my breathing so I wouldn't have a panic attack. Uh, but I would black out again. Um, next thing you know, I was being transferred into the ambulance. And I screamed and I came to and I, I kept apologizing to them. I said, I, cause I was a CNA at this point. Um, I know what it's like to take care of a difficult patient and I didn't ever want to be one, <laughs> one. And I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's so painful. I'm so sorry. I keep screaming. And they were just like, no, it's fine. You're, you're doing fine. Don't worry about it. So uh, it blacked out. It blacked out again, um, and I had come to in the hospital as they were transferring me into the uh, scan, the X. They were transferring me into the CT scan and the X-ray uh, machines. I would wake up again and scream in pain. it seemed to be the only time that I would come to was when they'd move me because of how much pain they were causing. And as as I got out of the imaging, they would transfer me off of the, you know, the metal bed. And I would apologize again for screaming and screaming and so much pain. And they said, oh no no, honey, you, you have every reason to be screaming. And that kind of scared me because, (laughs) you know, I'm like, okay, they know what, what's wrong.
0: You mentioned the pain in your wrists. Where else did you have pain?
1: So I had pain. Everywhere. Everywhere except for my head. I broke, uh, (laughs) <laughs> i mean i everything was broken they don't like when I, I came to again with the doctor telling me and my family uh that i had broken both of my wrists four ribs which had collapsed along so that whole time I had been operating on one lung, the screening, the breathing. Um, I completely crushed my vertebrae between my L and T. Uh, And I, I also broke my left hip, my left leg, and my pelvic bone.
0: Okay, so what happened after the CT scan?
1: So after the CT scan, um, they had, you know, the doctor was talking to my family and telling them everything that was wrong and what would need to be done and all the different surgeons um, that they were going to try their best uh, to fix me up. And I was terrified at that point. I said, no one's touching me. And I blacked out again. thing I remember was coming to with all of these tubes coming out of me. And I was so scared, I didn't know what was going on. I was in surgery for 10 hours. Um, They had to have so many specialists come in and operate on me. And I needed five blood transfusions, which is considered catastrophic blood transfusion amount because I had lost so much blood. So they they actually lost me in the operating room, but I was not aware of that uh, until I was in, recovering in the hospital. No one had said anything. So after passing out um, and they had said they were gonna do surgery on me, I was all of a sudden surrounded by this white light. Um, And there was about four other young adults around my age standing in front of me. And there was um, an elder man that was in the front of us. To the right a little bit. And it was almost like we were above the clouds. But it was just so bright. And we were. It was as. It, it, it didn't feel like we had a body. But I could physically see these people. As if they had a body. Um, nobody was verbally communicating. You could just feel and sense what was being said um, which I thought was um, very strange after the fact and I figured out what what had happened where I was um, and I was like this is God and I am dead I am in trouble because he had looked at young adults in front of me he would look up at them into their eyes with such sadness and such disappointment just like your dad would if if he was disappointed in something you did and he broke his heart um and he looked like he was just about to break down cry and he would look down away um and he's just heartbroken and all of a sudden that person would disappear, like fall down and disappear.
0: The one of the young people?
1: Yeah. And then the next the next young adult in line, the same thing. He looked up at them into their eyes with such sadness and such disappointment. And he had such such a broken heart. And then he would look down away from them, like he couldn't stand to see himself being separated from his child. And this young adult would fall down and disappear. But that one screamed some of the worst screams I've heard in my life. Um, and Like murderous screams. And that was scary. I was, I already knew uh, what was happening. I knew that I wasn't living this great life. I was in the scene of appearance. I was partying. Um, the I wanted was a drug dealer at the time. And we were partying and <laughs> yeah, definitely not living a, a life that um, God would have been proud of for sure. Um, and so he looked at the next, the next young adult in front of me. They, they were all at a, about 24 and below in age. And you could tell how sad that these young adults looked too. They were sad and embarrassed. One, he would look at them with a broken heart and just so disappointed. Drop. And next thing... it. Next thing I knew, it was my turn, and I was terrified. When he looked into my eyes, sadness, I could feel how sad he was, how disappointed he was. But yet, he was telling me that he loved me at the same time. There were, it was interesting because <clears throat> there were no words exchanged. You could feel what was being said. It broke his heart. He felt so bad. I said I was sorry, but no words were coming out. But yet I said I was sorry. And he looked down, which is when I should have fallen. But I woke up with tubes in my mouth. I had this huge machine Huge machine, scary looking thing, pumping blood into me, which I later found out were more transfusions, because I had lost so much blood, um, and I was on a breathing tube, and I flipped out. I was terrified. I didn't know what had happened. I had, (laughs) you know, to me, I I didn't know what was going on, and so I guess I had woken up and flipped out and tried to rip them out, and they had to put me under to try to keep me safe and continue with the blood transfusions.
0: So let me ask you a couple of questions at this point. Did you get a feeling uh, or, or since, have you thought about where do you think you were at that point? You know, when you were seeing the man and the other young adults.
1: I, I don't know. I'm going to assume I was in the operating room because that's where they said everything <laughs> went downhill and they had lost me. And then I was, you know, in like a forced coma and woke up when I wasn't supposed to. Uh, So
0: was this just a dream or was your spirit out of your body somewhere?
1: If it was out of my body somewhere, because the thing is, is I had. I thought it was a dream. I did. I thought it was a dream and. Um, I had told my dad once they they had me in a body cast and you know they were done with the blood transfusions and I was off the breathing machine and they had let me wake up out of the medical coma I had told my dad I said you would not believe this dream it was so scary my dad was like but they did lose you I'm like what and I told him I woke up freaking out with all this blood being pumped into me. And he said, yeah, you did. You woke up and you were, they were scared because you were trying to pull out all the tubes. Um, and that's when it came to me like, wow, okay, this is another chance. Because um, another little eight-year-old boy, he, he had fallen at the same ski resort I did. And he never walked again. He was completely paralyzed. He has completely changed. I don't know where he would be.
0: <laughs> Tell us about the changes. What have you done differently?
1: I'm praying all the time. I'm always trying to grow with God. Completely moved across country. Uh, I went back to school for my RN. That accident was in 2009. Uh, this man is the same one I was trying to get on the ski lift. <laughs> um,
0: So you married the guy you were showing off to? Yeah. <laughs> you really impressed him.
1: I did, didn't I?
0: <laughs> you made an impact anyway.
1: I couldn't believe this. He, he must have really liked me too because he would feed me, bathe me save me um yeah once i got home after being in the hospital for a couple months i was like i think i picked the right one (laughs) my children they go to a christian school now i think i mean honestly if that would have never happened i would have been like yeah send them to public school but i want them to know that (laughs) you get a second chance in life but But it's so important to have a relationship with, with, with God. You know, keep your faith strong because I got a second chance.
0: What would you say to other people that maybe are at some kind of a turning point in their life and need a second chance? What advice do you have for them?
1: Um, that there are warning signs. Like when my mother said she had a bad feeling not to go. And sometimes you get second chances, but sometimes you don't. So look for the signs and listen to your gut.
0: What else did you learn from this near-death experience?
1: I would be a different person. I would not be patient. I would not be kind. My children would not be patient. Kind, good little children either. You know, everything would be so different.
0: What else can you remember... As far as details from this near death experience, you talked about the old man. Tell me who you think he was and what did he look like?
1: I believe he was God. I have a painting. Another man had a, had a similar version, a uh, vision. He had a vision, and um, this is exactly what he looked like to me, except he was wearing a white robe. Everything was just so bright white.
0: So we will take the picture that you're going to show me and try to get a digital version that we can, that we can post with this podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a, a staff and everything, but it was white. Everything was just like so pure. Um, and he was like, like bald and, in the front and in the middle of his head, but he had this long white hair. He had almost like, olive, like an olive complexion, but it was, everything was just so bright. It was amazing. And you feel weightless. You felt completely weightless. I felt like I was above everything. So I definitely think he gave me a second chance.
0: Did you feel guilt and shame? You also mentioned love. How do do you separate all those feelings out?
1: He gave me another chance because of all the love he has for each of us. He didn't have to. And he warned me that life would be hard, but um, that I had other things to do. I wanted to be a mother so, so deeply. And I had been told that I was uh, never capable of having children. But. I did in 2012. She's a miracle child. So I had, um, my life was not over yet. I had more to do.
0: Was there anything else that he told you?
1: I felt very guilty and so ashamed. As he went, one person to another in front of me. And I could see the expression on his face, how heartbroken and how sad and disappointed he was. And the shame and the guilt kept building up because when you see that happen over and over, you think, oh my goodness, all the things I've done. And once he did come to me, it was gone. The shame and the guilt wasn't there anymore. He told me that he loved me. I was going to be given a second chance. He could feel in my heart I wasn't ready. I was not ready. I wanted a family. I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to nurture.
0: I'm sorry, this second chance sounds like a complete redo, kind of a reset. You get to start over again.
1: Kind of, he warned me it would be hard though. I would be given another chance, but it would be difficult. And I knew that, and I was okay with that. Cause love is, is, love can overpower so much. And he, he was right, he was right, I have, um, my goodness. I'm very young. And I have um, early heart disease. I had a mini stroke in 2019. Um, And that was terrifying because I was at my job and I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know my birthday. I didn't know my address. And um, everything finally came back when I was brought to the ER by my manager and I had a mini stroke. Um, I have stage three kidney failure. I have RA, rheumatoid arthritis, on top of the diabetes. And just recently, uh, they figured out, I I had been throwing up everything I was eating for for a good month or two, and they didn't know why. Um, So they put me on anti-nausea meds four times a day. It made the nausea feeling go away, but then I'd throw up out of nowhere. I wouldn't feel it coming. I couldn't keep toes down. I couldn't keep anything down. Um, they did, um, oh, goodness, send Both ways. They stuck the camera both ways. Um, and they finally found out that it is neuropathy of the stomach. My stomach because of the diabetes, can no longer sense food. So I could finally keep food down as of about a month ago. So every hurdle and every life health issue, I don't take it as a big, oh my gosh, this sucks. Because I know that um, I couldn't, I, there's, a, there's a chance that I, I wouldn't even be able to have a family to give love to and nurture. There's a chance that I couldn't be here at all. And I was warned, you know, I can come back and, and have children to love and nurture and have a family to love. Um, that's my big thing is, is I love helping people. I love nurturing. That's why I've been in nursing since 2008 and still continue to do it. It's so rewarding. Um, and to be able to have that, all the health issues aren't really that bothersome because I'm not surprised. I know that um, when you do pass away, your light is a feather. There's no pain. It's, I don't know, it's indescribable. I, I didn't feel like I had a body, but it appeared to me that the people in front of me, they had bodies. They even had clothes. So maybe we don't feel our bodies. Maybe we don't uh, feel pain. Maybe we feel weightless and light as a feather and appear to have a body. But I know that it's, you know, it's just temporary issues. As long as I get to be here and live life, as long as he allows me.
0: I think that's more it, what you were saying just a minute ago. I think that, um, even if we don't have a body when we're there, we're still gonna pretty much look like ourselves. people recognize yeah. people recognize each other when they go to the other side. Usually, they say they look younger, and you know if they died older or something, they look a lot younger and look really good, but they mm-hmm. look like them, so yeah that would so that would make sense. so you've had all kinds of trials. Yep. Yet it sounds like you have a lot to be grateful for.
1: I do. Um, I do because they told me that there was a chance that I wouldn't walk again. (laughs) And in my head, I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to walk again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you decided that one. And I imagine Mm -hmm. with all your health challenges, sometimes you probably think, I don't know how long I'm going to live, if it's as long as everybody else, but... Do you have any fear of death?
1: Not anymore. Um, I do question it all the time. How much longer am I going to have? But I also try not to worry about it because I make sure that everybody knows that I love them very much. And all you can do is, is do your best. That's all you can do. Um, continue helping each other, continue showing love. Uh, It takes much less energy than being hateful. Uh,
0: That's the truth. Yeah. How many people have you told about your near-death experience?
1: Um, four. (laughs) Maybe five.
0: So this is a big deal to share this because you haven't done it much. I can tell it's hard for you.
1: It is. Yeah. I, I really don't talk about it much. People, you know, they see like, like I have my insulin pump and I have, I've got kind of wires all over me um, and a ton of medicine. People are like, oh my goodness, you're so sick. And I'm like, yeah, that's just our body. Like kids, it could be so much worse.
0: Okay. What one last message do you have for people that are listening? And maybe how about let's word it like this. If you were talking to your children in five or 10 years from now, and you needed to kind of give them a, Hey, this is what life and eternity is about. What can you summarize and tell us?
1: I believe life and eternity is about love and forgiveness all you can do is try your best. We are human. And we are all trying. Um, God loves each one, each one of us. Like a child. And it breaks his heart. When we disappoint him. But he's like a loving father. He, he wants us to grow. And he wants to give us another chance. And, um. My children, in five to 10 years, I'm gonna tell them that they are what keep me going, to continue to love them and and let them know that I love them so much. I keep pushing every day for them. I came back for them. (laughs) Yeah, just to be a mother and to be able to nurture. I've always wanted to be a mother to nurture. You know, as it's one thing between a husband and wife, but to be able to nurture your children and comfort them and hold them when they're crying. And I wanted all of that. I wasn't ready yet. So he knew that. But not to be afraid.
0: What were you afraid of?
1: I was afraid of death, not being ready. Was it painful? what's it like, just everything, what's it like? You know, you hear all kinds of different stories. Um, People, I've heard stories um, where people kind of see themselves going up from the earth. Right. Or following a light. But um, I was just there
0: and that's everybody has a different experience that's not abnormal that you didn't oh. go through a tunnel or see a light you were going towards some people do plenty of people don't
1: yeah it's, it's just freak it's, what, what's freaky is <laughs> i told my dad i said i had the craziest dream and go, well, they did lose you do you know how long you were in, in surgery for and i'm like no You know, I was in there for 10 hours and so many surgeons and so much blood was lost. And I told them, I said, was I connected to a bunch of tubes? Because I I, I was choking. I was trying to rip one that was choking me. And then, honestly, blood freaks me out.
0: But you're a nurse.
1: I know. I will trade on the floor. We already, like, they already know this. I will deal with whatever you want me to you deal with the blood
0: well i think because of your experience you have special insights that you can help people with that have been through traumatic things
1: yeah yeah that's true um i mean it freaked me out i want i didn't know what was going on i was gonna rip these cords out my dad was like yes you woke up for a couple of seconds and you were trying to rip out everything i'm like okay That wasn't a dream. It was terrifying.
0: Well, you had a big experience. I imagine you still have some PTSD from it a little bit.
1: Honestly, I don't think about it that often. I don't think about it that often. I take each day at a time, and I just am grateful.
0: That's a good way to live.
1: It is. Um. (laughs) There's so much, so much to complain about, but yeah, I can't think about it because I will just break down in tears. I, I, um, I don't, I don't like thinking about it or, uh, talking about it that much. It just, to me, it's unbelievable to myself. I can't believe I went through that. I can't believe I passed away. I can't believe I had how many blood transfusions and I broke all of that. I, It's so unbelievable to me still. So all I can do is be grateful.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: If you have had a round trip death experience, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to Eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly if you have found this program uplifting if it's given you just a little more hope in the future share it with a friend hit that follow button and take a few seconds to write us a review until next time i wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next